Let's go. Welcome to Citizen. We have a very special guest today, Jason Coffrin. Um, now, you've got a pretty interesting story. Tell me about it. Uh, and the way, give me your elevator pitch, and then we'll di- we'll dive in a little farther. Elevator pitch, real quick. Um, father passed away in 2003. Um, I was kind of a screw up playing around like anybody else does in their 20s, and um, that kind of uh, woke me up. So I uh, I always wanted to be a fisherman. So I moved to Costa Rica and built my own boat out of an old 1980s boat. Spent about 11 years down there. That ended up taking me all over the world, did several TV shows. I think I wrote for five different magazines, I wanna say in three different continents. Um, moved home, took over the family business, which was his, Coffin Jewelers. Um, started to kind of screw around again um, back home because I was home not doing what I loved. Best friend passed away and it woke me up even more and now I now I just, I'm all into fitness, bettering my life, trying to get other people to better their lives, still running the business and became a bow hunter because of the good people out in Oregon, like Cam Haynes, Wayne Indicott and uh, the bow rack changed my life in about, I'd say 2019. And uh, I'm still doing it. And I got another big adventure coming up next year. Oh, what's the big adventure next year? I am trying to get accepted to go over to Africa to hunt poachers on private land that are uh, snaring uh, rhinos and anything else they can get their hands on. But the big thing's rhinos. Um, For about five years now, um, I believe uh, they've been using canines to track. They're starting to use them more and more like they did, you know, what, 10, 15 years ago in the special teams with canines. Now they're doing it over there to help track poachers. And uh, they're trying to do a new thing and have volunteers come over and help out and I, I think I'm around one of the first ones if it, you know, if it goes okay. Whereabouts in, in Africa? It would be in Zimbabwe. Mm. Uh, the company, I, they're a company. Um, it's called, uh, I'm going to mess this up, uh, Wildlife Initiative Trust Africa Canine Unit. Um, that's who I'm going to be working with, I think. That, that's who I've been in cahoots with. I reached out to a bunch bunch of them just in the beginning and they wrote me right back on instagram we had a they want my help they have about 2500 hectares and it is uh private land backed up to a national park and uh the guys are crossing from the private land over into the national park so they want to catch them before they get over there hmm. and uh one of the big things about that is i am not allowed to be in the national park so i'm um, i'm getting them on the front lines so to speak yeah that's interesting and i guess that's uh, where a lot of the damage is done yeah there's uh Zimbabwe and Mozambique in particular have a lot of problems with poachers right now, um, which yeah. is which is interesting because <clears throat> just in the if you follow the politics over there, it's gotten pretty weird over the past like thir- let's call it thirty years, forty years maybe, um, where a lot of uh, I guess <clears throat> European settlers who had been there for a couple hundred years owned a lot of the land and. Uh, they ran anti-poaching operations of their own, but then the governments started to change. You know, Rhodesia became Zimbabwe. That was a big change, um, yeah. and the Mo's uh, uh, changed quite a bit as well. And there's there's a there's a whole group of <clears throat> uh, what they call professional hunters. And I don't know if you're going to have to go through that. Have you like there, there's a process to become what they call a PH, a professional hunter over there, where you're certified to to go out and uh, hunt poachers and arrest them and blah, 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 all this stuff. Is that something you're going to have to go through? Have you looked into that yet? Um, I won't be doing that this first time. They're kind of feeling it out, you know, because it is a volunteer program. I am taking a two-week course over there, and if that doesn't work out, I would turn around and come back. Um, but I have the two-week course. It's mainly about the canine in me, obviously, mm. but it's not the same thing you're talking about. Um, but that you know, if everything goes well, I will spend probably about um, probably about 90 days. So three months over there on the ground the whole time living out there and doing my thing. I think uh, if this all goes well and it's something, obviously, I'll have a taste of it after 90 days. I would go into what you're talking about. I have heard about it, but it's not what I'm doing. Sure. <clears throat> yeah, it's quite a bit more 
complex on that side, I think. Cause, oh, yeah. Cause, I think it, there's a lot of private contractors involved, too, with that. Yeah, there are. Thing. There are. And yeah. it's, it's uh, you know, <clears throat> it isn't just about hunting poachers. You also manage the wildlife on whatever property you want. So, like, if Correct. there's, if there's <clears throat> this isn't the case necessarily with rhino, but with uh, elephants and stuff, if there's an old bull, uh, you know, for there, there's a lot of reasons why you would need to harvest the old bull, right? If he's, you know, getting up in age and no longer productive in society or whatever the fuck like that. But yeah, yeah it's quite a bit more complicated. It's interesting. I, I didn't know they were doing any kind of programs to bring people over. I know they've had quite a bit of trouble with poaching. I know they've had quite a bit of trouble with getting reliable people who know how to, you know, hunt uh, other people, I guess, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. And, the, and it goes back to what you just said about the elephant. It's like hunting here. When you go out like elk hunting, like that's that's what I do. I mean, I'm new to it. It's my third year doing it. But you go out to elk hunt, you want to take the old one mm. that, you know, he's probably sterile. He's killing off the younger uh, bulls, you know, so it's the same sort of it's the same sort of process with that. So I can see why they do that. And on the animal side, I'm actually going to be helping the vets, too. Like if I track down like my my dog will do um, article scent. Mm -hmm. uh, he can find a snare. And if there is an animal in that, we would call in the vets by chopper. And, you know, they would they would take care of that animal. So, yeah, um, I've heard of some of these operations and, uh, you know, you're, you're talking about a quite a, a big piece of property. But I've heard of some of these operations on much smaller pieces of property, clearing 100, 200 snares a day sometimes. Right. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I've seen. I've got pictures where they're just they're piled up and it looks mm. like we just coiled a bunch of barbed wire like we're getting ready to build a fence. It's it's insane. Um, I don't remember some of the statistics. I'll get it wrong. But I saw one from last year just in an area. I mean, it was a very large area, like one of the, maybe two of the national parks they put together, but it was over 400 rhinos. I mean, that's a lot when they're just in the thousands. Mm. Now. And I don't know that number off the top of my head but i mean 400 is very close to a thousand mm -hmm. you know <laughs> it's what 45 percent. you yeah. know what i mean so they're they're wiping them out yeah they're going yeah it sucks man and i mean it's like uh you know the uh, one good thing i've noticed over the past 10 years you mentioned cam haynes he's one of the guys <clears throat> um but there's there's obviously others who have uh, uh steve rennell is another one who have made a point of discussing to people the conservation part of of hunting and, and and harvesting meat and stuff like that 100 i mean look at look at cam haynes new movie i mean uh if you've seen it when we were wolves um i mean they they had to take that bear that he took on his bow they had to take it with a rifle at the end mm. and he is pissed you know because i you know it's it's ethical you had to take it out but you know he wanted it to go with the bow i mean those guys, like you mentioned, Cam, Wayne Endicott, uh, Steve Ranella, they take all sides very seriously with that. It's not just let's go out with an AK and take a whole herd of uh, elk out, you know? It's taking that one. I mean, you could walk for 10 days and never get it. You're paying thousands of dollars to do it, and you're still only getting that one because you have one tag. So that's what I'm trying to do, too. It's the conservation and the hunting. It 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 goes two and two because if you love hunting and you don't have any more animals, guess what? You're you're going to go play pickleball. You're done. Sure. Yeah. The animals are gone. You're done. <clears throat> well, I've seen a, I've seen a bigger push in the past um, four or five years of people in the Pacific Northwest, Idaho and Montana uh, in particular, who've kind of made, and, and even uh, Northern and Western Colorado have made a concerted effort to start repopularizing hunting predator animals, which, you know, uh, yep. pe people see like, uh, cougars and mountain lions and shit like that and like well why are you hunting that you're not going to eat that it's like yeah true but that thing is going to kill eight to ten you know young bulls in a season maybe um oh, yeah. and, and that's a and big problem other, right oh yeah that's a problem and the other part of it is like um i've ran the mountains countless times up there in oregon right there by the bow rack and they were explaining to me there was a small mountain range i don't remember the name but there were like eight mountain lions on it well they're super territorial uh like one should own that mountain range that's how big their land is you know kind of like the florida panther mm. and it's like when you have eight i mean it's they're fighting each other they're killing everything in sight they're just they're on full throttle all the time and you know there's no relaxation so they're 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 killing more because it's like oh i better kill both those elk because one of these other guys is going to get them 
you know? <clears throat> so, you know, to go up there and take a few or, or, or move them to a new location, whatever you got to do, who else is going to do it besides man? Yeah, sometimes, like, if you've got <clears throat> uh, five, six, seven, eight on a single mountaintop or in that area, in a, you know, and you don't necessarily have to go up there and kill all but one of them. If you kill two or three, the rest are going to start to fuck off because – you know, exactly. that they're, they're not stupid. You know what I mean? And this is, no, they're, they're this very is, intelligent. This is the balance of, of nature. You know what I mean? Like it's got to happen like this. You can't just let, I mean, <clears throat> you can let things go unchecked, but that's how predatory animals decimate, you know, wildlife supply exactly. and stuff like that. Well, and, and what is a, what does a lion do to a herd of Buffalo? He's not the fastest cat out there. He's a big, I mean, he's giant he's powerful. He takes the sick and the wounded. Mm-hmm. You know, what are we doing? We're, we're, we're taking the old bull, mm. you know, we're not going out there and go, Oh, look, that one just, uh, you know, just dropped. It's still got its spots. Let's kill Bambi. I'm so tired of the Bambi thing. You know? Yeah. Nobody I mean, wants Bambi. I don't, they, they, I don't know why. I, like I, I understand people that are new to hunting to do stuff like that because they don't know any better, but no real hunter is out there targeting young, even young bulls, like a two year old necessarily, uh, is not going to be something that I'm looking forward to. I mean, you know, it, it's no. like, I'm definitely looking for some, I don't really care about the trophy. I don't care about the rack at all, but I do. Uh, I care about the bulk, you know, yeah. I, I want some meat. I'm not trying to shoot a fucking 120 pound baby. I don't give a shit about that. Exactly. Well, it was like my first hunt. I went to uh, Utah with a guy named Rusty Farnsworth and uh, I never really got, I didn't get really on a shot that year. Imagine that it's cause it's hard, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, we saw some spikes and it, even though it was my first year, it was like, nah, I'll take the big one. And it didn't happen. I drove <clears> home. <throat> I was perfectly okay with that. The, the, the one I wanted wasn't in range, got to see a few on a mountaintop. Awesome. Had a great time. Went back with him the second year still didn't happen, but just because it didn't happen the first or second year doesn't mean, all right, I'm killing Bambi the fourth year. Mm-hmm. Still not going to, I'm going to wait for my shot. You know, and it'll it'll come as long as I'm ready. And what do you, uh, you know, that that's I think that's a pretty elevated uh, mindset. Not necessarily going to be common amongst a lot of people. What advice do you have for people that are just now getting into hunting? You know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of tumult in the West and the United States, especially, and uh, you know, people are concerned about being food scarcity and shit like that. And, and I think we're seeing a lot more people become more independent about how they, you know, get their food and water and, and things like that. Um, what do you, what advice do you have for people that are kind of getting into it now? Uh, I would say, you know, I mean, get a, get a bow from the right place if you're doing that or, you know, take a hunter safety course. But I would say in the beginning, a hundred percent, the education. I mean, I, I got lucky. I bought a bow here in town, um, didn't really get a lot of education, but I wanted it because I grew up hunting with my father. Um, went out to, I was actually hiking in Idaho and the hike didn't work out. So I was so close to Oregon. I had followed those guys from the bow rack on Instagram. I was like, I got five extra days. I'll drive over here. So I got lucky. I mean, I've got in that first week that I was over there with them. I mean, if you have Wayne Endicott and Cam Haynes as your teachers, when you first start, you know, you got some education. But it's like you just said, you know, you got Steve Ranella, you got um, Remy Warren, you know, there's there's a lot of guys, Instagram, YouTube, I, I would say start with the education because it, it doesn't it doesn't cost anything. Now, I could sit here on a day off and watch YouTube videos, how to clean an elk, how to how to call them, go buy a call, learn about the conservation. You know, there's you know, listen to podcasts. Podcast is huge. Go to a Steve Ranella podcast. You want to learn how to hunt, you know. Every day on your drive home, go to a Steve Ranella podcast and start listening to it. You'll get educated if you're really listening to him. So I would say the education and then go out and do it. Hire a guide, you know, um, get somebody out there, give them a job. They're, they're, they're good at what they do out West, you know, go with them. I've gone twice now with the same guy came up zero, but I walk out of there. I'm driving home. Like, wow. You know, next time I'm going to do this, 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 Mm. this, you know? So, I mean, I would start with the education because that's just going to help you bring that meat home when it's, when it's time to do it, you know, start eating healthy before you get that meat, you know, um, get away from the processed food because you know, that's what's coming. Um, if you already are, you know, you're eating box cereal, you know, start, start running in the morning and have a black coffee instead. You know, it's, it's all, it all starts with the education. 
Yeah, I agree with that. Find the person that you, I would say another side of that, sorry to cut you off. Mm -hmm. I would say find the person that, that gels with you on the education. You know, I, I like the way, I like the way Wayne and, and Cam were, were teaching me. I took it in very easily. Uh, we started off with push-ups. <laughs> we we're out there doing push-ups before we shot our bow. Yeah. Know? Cam, so, Cam's oh, an okay. asshole. Yes. Yeah. Like, you, yeah. Could, you could just yeah. say it. He'll, he'll fucking brutalize you. Yeah. Oh yeah. We did. We had a push-up. I, I went to, they invited me to a barbecue and we had to do as many push-ups as we could before we got to eat. And I was like, all right, I'll be back. <laughs> I like that. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, find the right, after you start with the YouTube and the podcast and stuff like that, find who works with you that you take it in and just keep going until your first hunt. Yeah. There's quite a bit of, there's quite a bit of content out there about hunting and how to do it ethically. I mean, Steve has, Shit, I think don't they have like nine seasons of meat meat eater now? It's I think or some shit. It's a lot. Yeah, it's and nine or ten. I yeah. thought he was in double digits, but yeah, he, he may be he may be ten or higher now. And he's got <clears throat> probably ten cookbooks out there as well. That kind of it's not just a recipe book with a hundred recipes in it. It's like explaining why certain things are important. Uh, you know, talking about elk and bison and how lean the meat is and how you, you shouldn't overcook it and stuff like this. I mean, there's just all sorts of tips from literally from field to table from him. I mean, he's just going to say those words. Yeah. He's, he's really, he's been really good about, about cataloging the entire process. He even, we had him on not too long ago and he told a story about even when he lived in New York, he was uh, building traps and taking them down to Central Park and ha- teaching his kids how to trap squirrels and shit like that, which I don't, <laughs> it's probably not legal. I don't know. New York's got weird ass laws about pretty much everything. But uh, you can only imagine what some homeless crackhead walking through Central Park and they see a squirrel trap. They're like, what the hell is this shit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that guy probably starts trapping after that, you know? Maybe. Why that not? probably started a whole movement in Central Park. Yeah, I think he was teaching them to catch pigeons and shit too. I don't remember how. It could. I been. heard about the pigeon. Yeah, I don't know how either. I heard about the pigeon thing. I didn't realize it was in Central Park. That oh is- well, he's he's a lunatic, so nothing surprises me with that guy. But yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I really like all this stuff. It's good to reconnect um, with with nature. We're all so dependent on the technology stuff right now. It's it's kind of a, a the the Western culture is. It seems to be on this trajectory where we. We got really comfortable, and now we're kind of going back to nature for recreation now, which is interesting because it used to be right. just to stay alive, right? right. Um, and <clears throat> there, there's this competing interest on the industrial side that's trying to make fake meat and try to get you to eat bugs and try to get you to eat processed food instead of just going back to nature and getting food where we've always gotten it from for the last two million or so years of our current iteration of DNA. I think that's a yeah. big fucking problem. It's a battle that is ongoing right now and you definitely want to be on the right side of it. So you need to be out there figuring out how to, how to, if not, if you don't have the capability to get meat yourself, at least get inside of a community where you can get good meat from places. Because if you're going to your grocery store and buying uh, select meat and shit like that, that's not good. No, oh, I love the, I love the thing. I mean, I am not a food connoisseur or anything, but I love the new Wagyu thing. I mean, that's just fat on a steak. Yep. Literally. Oh, it's got marble. Great. And then and then actually go look at a Wagyu cow. I mean, he can barely walk. Yeah. 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 I mean, talk about free range. He couldn't get up a hill, you know? And there's plenty of free range uh mm. farms out there now. I, I don't have my cell phone on me, but there's a guy, I forget his last name. Um, his name's Ty, and he's out west. He's in Montana, I believe. He's got free range buffalo where he has videos, um, he goes out and hunts his buffalo on this on this pastures. So you know what kind of meat you're getting. Yeah. You know, I order meat from another place called Jackson Hole Meat Company. They have they have buffalo, they have elk. I get it all the time. I just got buffalo in. I had my mother over. She's I told her it was a cow steak. She's like, what is this? I was she's like, it's delicious. I was like, oh, it's buffalo. And then she kind of looked at me and was like, Okay, I'll be by tomorrow night. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I've got um, a guy I work out with. Um, his girlfriend was like against all of this. Six months later, she's seen all this um, episodes of Meat Eater now. You know, she was yeah. the vegan. Oh, you're the killer and all that. And now it's like she's seen all the episodes. Well, you but know what we found. Is, oh yeah, go what's ahead. That? No, go ahead. Oh, I, I just think of the pro- one of the problems with all that is. 
there's so many people that look at it negative like that, you know, like hunting, Bambi killer, you know, meat eater, killer, you know, and it's like, hold on, step back. We're not doing anything to you. Educate yourself and then make a judgment. Sure. Yeah. I mean, no what, education. Here's what yeah. we, here's what we found out recently. <clears throat> uh, this lab grown or lab created meat, whatever you want to call it, uh, produces about 25 times more carbon output than traditional hunting, right? Or the even even the factory uh, cow industry, which gets so much heat these days, uh, and some some for good reason. But <clears throat> the other part of that is um, there's this really good clip. I think it's from season two or three of uh, Yellowstone, where uh, Costner's this dumb hippie chick is is running her suck hole and Costner's like, you know, when you plow a field, you kill all the rabbits, you kill all the snakes, you kill all the frogs, you kill everything in that fucking ground to get your fucking yeah. quinoa or whatever the fuck it is. That was just on uh, the, I think Joe Rogan has a, like a meme page. Oh yeah. yeah. And they just played that this morning when I flipped on my Instagram, it was that she's tied up sitting on the ground. And he's yeah, explaining. yeah, that's it. And uh, yeah, that was it. It's funny. I saw this morning and then yesterday where I take my dog to uh, do some quick training, mm. they had just mowed the field. I found four toads. I found a baby squirrel. I found three snakes and I found a crow, all of them headless. Just because they were down there foraging and the big combine went through the field. Now that wasn't me out there stepping on them. That wasn't a hunter out there, you know, shooting them with a shotgun. They're just, now they're dead. Mm. And that was just where I was standing. This field is probably five, six football fields. And that's just where I was standing with him playing ball. So that was in a square 10 feet area. And all those animals were right there dead, all headless tore up because of a, you know, a combine mower or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So it just, like, that, that's just is what it is, man. Like it, yeah. it's, it's not to say that I, I don't, I don't know if there's data that shows that a vegan diet is more destructive to the animal population or whatever the fuck, but you know, it's yeah. definitely not, it's definitely not safe for animals. I don't know why anybody would think that. I mean, that's a ridiculous thing. I mean, it's, but it's all about marketing, right? You mentioned, uh, <clears throat> you mentioned Wagyu a minute ago. That is, that is like the, 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 uh, meat du jour, I guess. Now everybody's looking at Wagyu. The good news is, is a lot, most of the people I know that deal with it on the U S side have started to crossbreed Wagyu and Angus and shit like that. So you do get a richer fat content inside of the meat, the meat, <clears throat> but it's not like flimsy feeling. You know what I mean? Like if yeah. I, I, I have a five Japanese Wagyu in my house right now, but it's like, I can eat about this much of it because it's, it's like, it, you can't get it. Yes. You can't get it fucking hard. Like, uh, uh, right. uh or not hard, yeah. but you can't get it, uh, uh, crispy enough. Like I want crust on my meat. I like a big fucking yeah. ribeye with crust on it. This thing feels like I'm just, it's it, like, oh, it melts in your mouth. I'm like, I, that's for chocolate, dude. I'm, I'm not looking for my steak to melt in my mouth. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. I mean, it's good for certain occasions, and I'll make a little piece as an appetizer sometime. That's why I have it. But, right. <clears throat> you know, the good news is there's quite a few farms uh, or uh, ranches, rather, in Texas and Oklahoma, Missouri, and then Colorado and Montana, especially those places, that are starting to crossbreed these um, American Wagyu cows, which are a little bit less fatty. Um, okay. And you're getting like a nice dense beef with good marbling. And the marbling is important because for a couple of reasons. <clears throat> One, for the same reason that if you're taking supplements, you need to take MCT because if you don't have a fat or lipid carrier, none of right. the none of the nutrients from that stuff is getting into your bloodstream. That's just how that is, right? So right. people people talking about eating lean meat diets that doesn't make any fucking sense scientifically speaking. Like it doesn't make yeah. sense for you. Well, you and you use the fat for energy too. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, you want that fat, but it needs to be a good proportion and high quality fat, not fat from being tied to a tree and not allowed to move. And then the force fed grain for the last three months of your life. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny, the words, you know, the words they use now, like you said, the Wagyu is almost like a, it's almost like a hashtag now. You oh, know, it's, it's like, like organic or something. Yeah. It's bullshit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or like the free range, but then half their life they were tied to a fence like you said yeah. they were free range as a baby they were born free range but now they're tied to a fence until they're old you know there's there's so many little they can screw it all up yeah know? it's dumb um let's talk about uh sport fishing for a minute because that's that's that, kind of your big thing right that was that was a big thing yeah that that's what changed my life um 
what happened was at about 2000, let's say 2002, a friend of mine uh, took me down there to just be, it was a last minute trip to Costa Rica. He was fishing a tournament. Uh, he brought me along just so I could see it. And I was already into fishing. I'd fished my whole life. And uh, it was like, I kind of left with like eyes wide open, like, oh my God, I got to do this. And then um, I had some family friends who was a good friend of mine. They had a restaurant here in Sarasota called Cafe the Arts. And they did what a lot of people did, uh, sold everything, moved to Costa Rica. They started another restaurant down there called Mari Soul. And they uh, had a fishing boat. And a couple of years later, this is after my father passed in 2003. This was about 2005. They called me up and they're like, uh, we don't have anybody to run our boat for charters down here in Costa Rica. And it was kind of like, yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It didn't take long. It was a 10 minute phone call. Yeah. No shit. That's like the, yeah, the, the best job oh, offer no. of all time. You're like, yeah, I'll do it. Fuck me. Yeah. It was like, it was, it was like a quarterback stream going to the NFL. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, you're going to go to the NFL. Okay. Let's go. You know? Yeah. That's great. So I went down there. I did it with them for about a year. Um, we actually caught an unofficial world record rooster fish with a guy named Ron Gauthier that used to have, I don't know if he still has it. It was a TV show called Ocean Explorer. Um, it's unofficial because we let it go. Um, but it was, we did the whole length to girth um, kind of measurement thing and it came out to 157 pounds. Holy world shit. Record. Yeah. And the rec world record's 114. I think that still holds. Uh, but ours, I call it unofficial because we let it go and mm. all we have is pictures. Um, but then after that, it was, I mean, I'm a, I'm one of those obsessive compulsive. So that was it. Um, they decided to close their fishing business cause they got real busy with the restaurant and you know, that's the kind of people they, they are, they're, they're restaurant people. So I moved home, uh, slipped the disc in my back fishing, fishing for tarpon, just moved the wrong way, ended up having surgery in 2006. So laying there in bed on the Oxycontin, you know, just miserable. Uh, I started to put the plan together and I was like, I'm, I'm going back. Um, you know, had some money saved up, bought an old uh, tarpon boat out of Boca Grande and just started working on it. <sighs> Excuse me. Um, the best friend, Paul McComb, that passed away in 2018, helped me get it together. And the day we were going to ship it, he shows up to my house with two duffel bags and he's like, look, motherfucker, you think I'm going to do all this work with you and not move down there? You're crazy. <laughs> so it just, it just worked out. I was like, absolutely. You know, we got down there. He spent about two years with me. Um, I got it going. Uh, uh, fast forward a bunch. Uh, we did a lot of, uh, did a lot of rooster fish, did a lot of blue water fishing. This was a 24 foot boat. So it wasn't, you know, adequate to be out there. But the good thing is I got the hardcore anglers. You know, I got the guys that really wanted to fish. So that made it a lot of fun. Met a ton of friends. Um, ended up selling that boat, moving home for a year and getting a 32-foot blackfin, uh, which is a dual-engine boat, perfectly suitable for what I was doing down there. And then ended up getting another world record offshore. It was a gentleman, I believe he used to own the Miami Herald. His name was Kit Tooney. Um, and another guy named Brett Gammon, I believe is his last name. Um, they were traveling the world trying to get all 11 or 12 of the billfish, the fastest for the IGFA. Um, we ended up, they came down to Costa Rica last minute and they ended up getting the striped marlin and the Pacific sailfish with me. Whether that's a real record, you know, cause you're not really killing them. You're not weighing them and all that, but it was connected with the IGFA. So technically I have an unofficial inshore and an offshore world record but that was probably about 2000 i want to say that was 2012 that happened um right after that literally three days after that i was already planning to move to panama and i moved to an island called isla perita panama which is 11 miles off of the town of david they say david down there um did that for four years living on an island will wake you up let me tell you i mean it's all generator mm. uh, there were a couple times down there where i literally had to catch my own food because uh, one of the boats didn't show up with like supplies so me and my first mate are hanging off the back of the boat catching snapper and we cooked them on the mosquitoes were so horrible on the island that we cooked them on the deck of the boat with tinfoil we laid tinfoil <laughs> on the deck of the boat 
and we cooked them on tinfoil. So uh, that that story can go on and on. Amazing experience. Taught me all about like what what you were talking about earlier about fending for yourself. You know, getting your own things. Um, I lived on a. I literally lived on the boat up the river. David is 30 miles. So it's 11 miles from the coast to the island. Well, then David is another 20 inland. So I lived on a river going back and forth, getting supplies and stuff. I remember one time I was stuck for uh, two and a half, three days on a sandbar because there was a storm and the river changed. <laughs> so we're heading out for a charter and all of a sudden we hit a ground. I'm looking at my GPS going, I've gone over this a hundred times. My mate hops off the side of the boat and he's standing knee deep. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, I mean, when you have turmoil like that, you just eventually, I mean, it's kind of like the boat could catch on fire and I would just kind of brush a shoulder off and go, all right, well, let's put it out. And, you know, tomorrow we'll go on our charter. You know, it's, it <clears throat> took a lot of, I would say, American society stress out of me. Mm -hmm. uh, it taught me a lot. It taught me to chill out because I was kind of a hothead. It, it woke me up. It, it, it changed my life. And then you add the bow hunting now and the physical things I like to do. Uh, dog training, you have a lot of, you need a lot of patience. Um, I still don't know how I give total credit to actual dog trainers that have to deal with anybody's dog. Kudos to those guys. Cause I got it easy. I have one dog, you know, I, I, I got a goal and I got one dog. So it's from 2005 to now my, my life is completely different. I don't know why it would be without that. I think I would be the quirky stuck up asshole that, that runs a jewelry store. Yeah. Uh, you know, I look at it different now. This episode of Citizen is also brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros. Right now, Ghostbed is offering 40% off Ghostbed bundles where you get a mattress and an adjustable base. For everything else, 30% off if you use the code drinking bros at ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros. If you get the 40% uh, off deal, if you use the 40% off bundle deal, you're going to get uh, a mattress and all your stuff, your base, your sheets, your pillows, all this stuff. For about 30 to 35 bucks a month. They've got a zero down, 0% zero financing plan for up to 60 months, six zero months at five years, uh, about the lifespan of the average bed. So it works out great for you, works out great for uh, the company. So go check it out. Go to ghostbed.com for slash drinker bros. Whether you're in the market for a bed, uh, an adjustable base, whether you just need sheets or pillows or any of that stuff, they got the best the mattress protector, the weighted blanket. They have everything you need there, 30% off everything. Use the code Drinking Bros at ghostbed.com forward slash Drinking Bros. Or if you need that adjustable base as well and the mattress, get the bundle and everything else you add onto that deal is 40% off. This episode is also brought to you by First Form. Firstform.com forward slash Drinking Bros. The product they really want you using is the Micro Factor. It's a complete daily nutrient pack. Now, what's in it? Antioxidants, CoQ10, great for heart health, multivitamins. Uh, greens and reds, which is to say fruits and veggies, then EFA, which is to say fats that you need. And then they got a probiotic in there as well. It's an easy little packet. You just dump it all in your fucking mouth and swallow, uh, probably with some liquid, preferably water. Um, they got all kinds of other great products as well. Uh, talking about those meat sticks, the breakfast sausages meat stick is the best thing I've ever had in my life. And of course, they have energy drinks. They've got all kinds of stuff over there. They got great protein, the best supplements on the market if you spend over 75 bucks you're going to get free shipping so go to firstform.com forward slash drinker bros and get those deals i think that uh <clears throat> that american society stress is interesting it's like uh completely manufactured and unnecessary it, we, we it's it's entirely based on the expectation of comfort and that things are always going to go well, but that's not how life has ever worked in the history of fucking life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, it, it, we, we manufactured this completely unreasonable expectation and most of our stress uh, uh, is, is based on that. It's fucking stupid. Oh yeah. Like the internet goes out and you start pulling your hair out and you <laughs> break glass. It's like, bro, it's the internet. That email will still be there. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've had things in Costa Rica where the whole town, the power goes out. Cause I lived in some very tiny, probably not the right towns for a white guy like me to live in, but you know, that's what I enjoyed. I wanted that side of it and that's what I could afford. Mm. But like you have a monkey that jumped from power line to power line and the power line touched and he blew up. They got a, they got a big problem with that right now. <clears throat> you know, 
we they, don't have power for a week. And it's like, yeah. you see the whole town just shift immediately. Like they go from like, you know, doing their jobs indoors or whatever they're doing to, all right, we're working outdoors now because mm. we got no power. Let's go to the boat. Let's, you know, let's go to a, let's go, oh, let's all go to the bar that has, a, you know, it has ice machine on a generator and drink beer. You know, it's like, just let it go. You're going to get your other job when the power goes on and everybody's the same. Like one person can't complain because the whole town doesn't have power. Get over it. Yeah. Isn't that interesting how, um, the, the more you accept the fact that things are out of your control, the less stress you deal with. You know what I mean? And not, and it's not that people, it's not that you deal with stress by just tuning out and, and fucking off and, and, you know, taking a day off. People just find a new way to be productive. Typically, you right? Could, you could, yeah, you could see that whole town shift. It, it was amazing. Like a mechanic shop, the guy would immediately get on his scooter and go, all right, well, I'm going to go door to door to, you know, the people needed me to come to anyways to come to their house and fix their car. You know, an electrician, he's got a, he's got a full job right there. Like a private electrician would immediately get with the government and be like, hey, you guys need a hand? We got to get this done, you know? Uh, you know, people in the marina would, would just, I mean, people working like in the hotels of the marina and stuff would be like, all right, we're all going to detail boats today because we don't yeah. have electric. Well, you know what would happen in the, in the U.S.? What would happen is the hotel would raise its rates. Um, the people, <laughs> yeah. the people who are out fishing would come back and sell their fish at a higher cost. Right. That's what would happen here. It's fucked. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There, there'd be a fist fight in the street when neither one of you were electrician. You know, there'd be a car wreck. Why? Cause somebody wanted to drive faster because there was no electric, yeah. you know, in his building. He had to get home faster. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I think there's something about being detached from nature and what it takes, what effort, physical effort it takes just to stay alive and provide all the stuff we have. And not only the levels of stress, but the levels of cooperation between people. I think a lot of the a lot of the strife and tension between all of us, part of it is what I said before is the expectation of comfort. And then part of it is like you don't have any real connection between the relationship between effort and outcome anymore. Right. It's right. like my effort is here in my office today. And if all the things don't work properly, then I get mad about it. It's like, well, there's a lot going on here. You know what I mean? There's electricity, yeah. there's the internet, there's fucking my employees, maybe somebody's kid sick, who the fuck knows? Sometimes things just don't go well, but my expectation is that they all, that everything's going to go well and that I'm going to be relatively comfortable, but that's not, yep. Again, that's not really how life works. No. And it was like when we scheduled last week, you know, I saw you I saw you for a second, you you set a cell phone down and the whole screen paused, you know, it froze and I sent some emails and I was like, "All right, well, those guys aren't going to cuss me out and I'm not cussing them out. I'll I'll wait for their replies and we'll move on." <laughs> no, it could have been a storm or too much too many cloud. The internet was fucked up for some reason on one of our ends. Well, what am I going to do about it? it? What, what am I going to go out and shake my that? fist at the clouds or some shit? What the fuck am I going to do? Exactly. I I got up and literally just went right back to work. I mean, <sighs> you, it was kind of hilarious. You set your pistol on the table and it just froze. I was like, did he just set the hand of God down? <laughs> it was it was done. I was like, hello? Hello? And I was like, all right, I'm going to go back to work. And I, I hit, I, you know, I contacted each of you guys on your email. Mm. And I was like, I'm sure somebody will get back. And that, you know, that was that. But it was like what I was going to say about what you were just talking about, about, you know, the stress level and bringing people together. I could literally be the greatest therapist on the planet. And the only thing I would do is take two people that hated each other or somebody that's just, you know, blown out of their mind with their problems and take them in the mountains. Mm -hmm. You want to put two people together, drop them off in the mountains. <clears throat> you know, they'll, they'll start working together. You just tell them, Hey, you guys got to work together. And when you start gelling, we'll bring you home. Sounds like a good idea for a TV show. Just get a progressive hey, and a, and a, and a MAGA person and take them out in the woods together. They're best friends by the end. Yeah. Like we you've got the fire. All right. I'll dig the pit. You go find the wood. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can bring them together in the mountains or drop them off on Isla Perita where I lived for four years. All right. We got to work together and a boat will come with supplies and bring us home. Or it won't. Best friends. Right. Or it won't. It's like, the, yeah, you at some point, chances are high that you're going to have to cooperate to stay alive. And I think that oh, is, yeah. that's a, yeah. that's an important lesson for people to learn. And I, and I got that lesson too. And um, I haven't talked about this a lot, but um, part of it I didn't get a chance is 
So I got robbed a lot in Costa Rica. I had everything that I own, including my dirty laundry, stolen four times. So you walk into your house and everything's gone. I mean, a basket, my toothbrush, my blender, you know, and the cops walk in and every time they go, well, let us know if you find anything. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. Thanks. You know, after the third time, I was like, no, 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 don't worry about it. If, if I hear something, I'll, I'll call you guys. But it it got to me because... You know, I was I was starting and it wasn't Costa Rican people. It was coming. It was most 100 percent. It was people coming through the country, mm. you know, almost like carny folk, you know. Well, when I got to Panama, that doesn't happen. They're they're very strict over there. Um, you you rob somebody or something. They're going to take you out back and break your wrist and yep. then take you to jail. Yeah. Panama they doesn't fuck around. But I had this thing like I remember when I first moved there on the boat, these guys came up and started to help me with the luggage and stuff you know, getting it off the boat and in the marina in, in David. And I was like, no, 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 don't touch that. You know, don't carry that. I'll, I'll do it myself. Well, right there it was almost like a, it was definitely a trust thing. It was almost like a racial trust thing, you know, and I had to get over that. And I, and I did quick because you got to work together down there. And yeah. it was the same as Costa. And I'd already been there for like nine or 10 years. So it was like, it took me about a week. And I was like, all right, Jason, they're not here to destroy you. Wake up. They're part of the marina chill out, you know, and then it was over, but I, I got both sides of that again. Yeah. Well, the people, fun. people in the industry in uh, Panama and generally speaking is pretty fucking dope, but in Costa Rica, yeah. yeah, there, there's a, there's a foreign element down there. There are jackasses for sure. But the people that are in the industry are, t in my experience, they've been super helpful. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Panama, Panama and Costa Rica. I have some of my best friends. It'll be it's kind of like, you know, you say your best friend, you don't have to talk to every day. You can talk to him a year from now. Uh, I have those kind of friends in Costa Rica. I mean, if I, it could be, I've been gone since 2016 from all of Central America. And I could call any of them up and say, I'm coming down. I guarantee I'm sleeping on the couch. I don't even have to worry. I could show up randomly and be like, all right, we'll make room for you, you know? Let's let's move our kids into our own bed. Jason's got to sleep, you know, in yeah, this room. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't have a problem. I, I mean, and they, some of my dearest friends. They're still definitely connected to uh, the idea of community and family in a way that most of I think America is not. Um, now to the fishing part of it, um, how is Costa Rica about the fishing industry? Are they pretty anal about conservation and stuff, or is it kind of chaotic they're, down there? They're getting better um it, it all goes back to like you asked me how you would start out a beginner hunter um it's education down there there's a lot of good captains down there um i noticed towards the end i think guatemala has a law now and i think costa rica has it too i believe where you don't bring the billfish out of the water for a picture um it it, it really it kills them you're taking a you're taking a very large animal out of its environment and you're making a weightless animal. I mean, you're you're putting a lot of stress on him, mm. and you're throwing him back in. You might as well you might as well take him and put the knife to him, and, and you know, and go home and harvest him. Um, I that doesn't happen as much anymore. Uh, the education of commercial fishing, I know that's I know that's getting better, but the big side of that is not Costa Rica. It's foreign. It's foreign commercial ships coming over and paying the government under the table. I have literally sat in the middle of a dolphin tuna school um, with my boat, kind of like this, like you're, you're not, you're not going to take these fish because I know they're not going for the tuna. They're going to kill the turtles and the dolphin. Yeah. They've, they've hollered at me and stuff. And I'm like, all right, go ahead and shoot an American uh, in Costa Rican waters. And you're from China. Go ahead and do yeah. it. See what yeah. happens. Yeah. So, <clears throat> Yeah, we've had a there's been a big problem there's with a, there's uh, still a thin line. The education's there, but the money under the table with the commercial fishing, it's still happening. Well, it seems like there's been a lot more attention paid to the uh, Atlantic Northeast, I guess, but just because of the overfishing up there. And it's been uh, oh, what was that? There was some guy, I can't remember his name, but his nickname in the press was the Codfather. And he had just like he ran this operation that decimated the cod, Atlantic cod population for 20 yeah. years. Yeah. Um, it I've does, heard it, about that. I don't much about that. I don't hear yeah. much though about fishing conservation in the in the Caribbean, unfortunately. Which it's probably, I mean, with all the banana republics and stuff down there, it's probably quite a bit worse. Just it's just as bad. I mean, these ships can go anywhere now. You know, it's it's get into the waters, find the right part of the government to pay. You know, 
sweep it sweep it under the rug kind of thing like oh he's not here now yeah but he's been there for the last five years going back and forth you know go, you know wherever it's lucrative somebody from a larger company that doesn't have that species is going there and unfortunately they're getting the job done so you know and it's out of other people's hands if somebody from you know china goes to costa rica uh, you know, somebody from Europe that's in conservation, they, they can't really do anything about it but educate. You know, that's, that, the sad part is that's all they have the hopes on, you know, is education. So it, it all starts with that. Now you're doing, uh, you're still doing the Mr. Trigger uh, uh, trips, right? You're still taking people out? I, I am not. I was okay. going to do it. I was going to do it this uh, last year for uh, tarpon fishing because mm -hmm. I've done it my whole life. And I just decided last minute that I don't want to turn another hobby into a job. <laughs> yeah, I just and, and fishing in boats, it's like, I'll say it right now, if, if, if you gotta love it, and I've already done it my whole life, it, it's not an investment project. Um, I actually just flipped that around and I'm doing a, um, my jewelry store, my old, I just moved into a brand new store, which is on the corner where my other uh, store was, and I'm going to do a canine. We're going to have some uh, cat stuff in there too, but it's going to be a canine, a canine uh, nutrition store. Um, I'm big into it. We might do some grooming and stuff, but it's it's something I'm into. And we're one of the only spots in the area that doesn't have it. So it's like we already have the building. Let's do it. I love the canine thing. I think uh, it's going to go back to the education of conservation because we're calling it Mana's Market, and that's my dog's name, Mana. And, you know, we're going to have a thing. We're going to put up a billboard there that's going to talk about, you know, you buy you buy food here. The proceeds are going to go back to the Wildlife Trust in Africa. So I can kind of kill two birds with one stone. Um, I'm starting another business that I love, and I'm going to be able to educate on things that are happening. I'm going to be able to educate on food. You know, it's just like our food. That There's a lot of that dry food that is just processed shit, you know. So, and that will not be in my store. Um, so we're going back to the free range thing. So it's, it's kind of combination of everything. We're trying to launch it in uh, November 1st. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. That took the place. The reason I jumped on that was that took the place of the fishing. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yep. I mean, as, as, as dumb as the modern Western human diet is the shit that we've been feeding our pets for the last, I don't know, 75 years, maybe um is totally fucked i mean <clears throat> what it's not food it's like the the grain and rice are the two most common ingredients in commercial dog food what what dog eats grain and rice in the wild what any what animal uh, or uh, uh, omnivore i guess if you want to call them that which yeah. te technically is true what omnivore has a primary staple diet of either one of those things it's not real right right no it's not and then when you look at the label on the on the back it says grain rice and then there's 40 different words you can't pronounce yeah 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 what is, what is that stuff and people you know, wonder why their dogs <laughs> like the there are all these breeds that allegedly have um i guess genetic uh joint problems like hip dysplasia and things like that it's like well maybe right maybe they have those problems or maybe we've been feeding them bullshit for the last 75 years well and i love that we call them all genetic oh, it's, <laughs> it's genetic yeah i mean the dog the dog should be 30 pounds and it's 65. Oh, that's genetics. They just get big. Oh, okay. They're all big boned. <laughs> yeah. Cartman. That's those it. Some, They're all those are some big bones. Yeah. It's so, so stupid. If they, were, if they were born big bone. Why can't they move like a big bone animal? Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. Why don't they have the power? Exactly. No. Yeah. yeah. They can't get up the stairs, you know? Yeah. It's uh, I mean, it's just not true, but it, yeah. you, you can have, it is true. Genetically speaking for human beings as well. You can have predispositions for thyroid conditions and things like that, and uh, even uh, diabetes and shit. But if you can still be healthy, yeah, yeah. If you're if you have a predisposition to obesity because of some marker or another, if you don't eat processed food and sugar, you're not going to become obese. It's it's literally impossible. You can't eat enough right. green vegetables to get fat. Yeah, no. Have you ever seen a fat vegan that oh, really well, sticks to it? Yeah. Not, not many. I mean, technically, donuts are vegan. <clears throat> uh, the only fat vegan I've ever seen is Prince Fielder, though. Uh, remember that guy? Okay. He's a yeah. baseball player for the Brewers. His dad, Cecil Brewer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he he was he he just ate like shit all the time. That's why his career eventually ended. 
Right. Well, and look at the look at the rules. Like you just corrected me. I had no clue a donut was vegan, but look at the rules of what is a vegan now. I think of it as like a, a vegetable eater. But there's so many. It's like we're it's like we're widening it. Oh, now this is vegan and this is vegan. What's a meat eater? Somebody that eats meat. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's know? like if you're you, you shouldn't you definitely should not be no matter what your diet is if you don't want to eat meat that's fine i guess i mean i think it's a mistake but you can make up for it in certain ways but don't eat soy products man i mean that that's there's 40 i think 46 chemicals used to treat a soybean to turn it into tofu something like that like what the fuck are you doing yeah and and set that tofu or or soybean out on a table it'll last for like a month and nothing else eats it so you mean no squirrel no bird goes down and grabs it yeah, <laughs> it just sits there. But then we put it on our plate, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's dumb. I mean, if I, if you see a squirrel eating tofu in your neighborhood, the next thing you know, he'll be drinking Bud Light. And then exactly. he'll, then it'll be, yeah. tra- oh, then yeah. it'll be transitioning. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you got to be careful about that. Yeah, we're doing a big transition with that kind of beer. <laughs> oh, um, it's so dumb. Yeah, I mean, it's, look, there are places in the U.S. <clears throat> and this is a pet peeve of mine because nobody who bitches about this sort of thing. Nobody who bitches about underserved communities or inequality or whatever has done a goddamn thing to solve uh, a, a legit food crisis that's in the, the, in the United States, food deserts, right? Where yeah. more or less, there are certain communities uh, and they are primarily black and brown communities that only have access to shitty processed food. That's all they, all they have there, right? They don't have access to high quality vegetables and high quality meats and stuff like that. And every year I see 50 fucking articles on CNN and the Washington Post and shit about how, oh, these under pe- black people are dying at a higher rate than white people. It's like, yeah, because they're eating garbage. Because all yeah. of you people that are quote, allegedly so concerned about them haven't done a goddamn thing to solve that problem. All you're letting is these mass production facilities make more and more money without, put, without doing anything to stop that or, or, or you know give people better access to food or better yet – teaching them how to fish, teaching them how to hunt so they can get their own fucking food. There's the education again, you know? Well, and, and a lot of those people bitching, let's, let, let's face it, they're, they're wanting likes, they're wanting views, and a lot of them have, have a hand in those companies too, you know? <laughs> As do the politicians that are making the rules, right? Um, oh. <clears throat> but when I hear somebody like, you know, a very wealthy athlete, for example, bitching about, this particular subject about heart disease and about diabetes and about, um, you know, uh, preventable cancers and shit like that in, in black communities. It's like, okay, so spend some money teaching those people how to go fucking hunt and fish because if nobody else is going to help and if the entire system is rigged against them, which I believe it is, I mean, it's rigged against anybody that's poor basically. Right. Oh, Oh yeah. You're, you know, you, you didn't, nowadays it seems like, well, I was just going to say, if you didn't go from Harvard or Yale, it's it's hard. But now anybody from, you know, you barely get through college and you're screwed nowadays. You know, it's like, good luck. See ya. I mean, <clears throat> I'm, I'm all for the, uh, you know, the trade school thing. Mm. That should be booming right now, you know. And teaching people how to reconnect with the land and get their own stuff. Not, not yeah. like not everybody needs to go buy 20, 50 acres in homestead. No, not, some people want to live in the city, but you can still team up with some folks and you know what in Northern, I used to live in Northern California, meat co-ops back then were a big thing. You just go in on a fucking uh, side of beef with somebody. Um, okay. You know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. or, or even a whole cow. Sometimes you would split up a whole cow with a, with your neighborhood. You know what I mean? It's like 800 pounds of meat and you split it up amongst fucking 10 families or something like that. And that'll get most people through a winter for, to be honest, oh, cause it's like a hundred pounds sure. each yep. of meat. Um, <clears throat> but I, I don't, I feel like we haven't, they're just, there are forces at work to stop things like that from happening because Nabisco and, and people like that need to make their fucking money. You know what I mean? And they're going to get, they're going to get mad if they can't continue to get subsidized because like WIC payments and snap payments and things like that, you can buy shitty food with it. Right. You you can't, you you can't buy high quality meat with that. Their whole goal is to raise the bottom line. Yep. That that's it. They don't care how it is. And, you know, and you hear a lot of those stories where people that work there and stuff don't eat their own stuff. Oh, yeah. That's that yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I don't eat it. Billionaires, billionaires are not eating fucking Cheez-Its and shit like that. They're eating high-quality food. Yeah, and isn't isn't Bill Gates trying to make like a full meal out of a pill or something? Oh yeah, he's a, he's a, he's 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 one of the guy. He owns one of those uh, fake meat companies that are producing fake yeah, meat. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was getting at. I thought he was doing trying to do a pill for him too. Yeah, now. yeah, he's. Yeah. <sighs> doesn't he want those? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Doesn't he want those like giant like? I don't know the right term, those mega farms that are just like the size of a state to feed everybody or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, but he, yeah. he owns uh, like 280,000, um, uh, 280,000 acres of farmland in the U S you know, what's going to happen to that. There's your pills. That's yeah. where it's coming from. Yeah. It's yeah. fucked up, but that's the, that's the thing, right? It's like during the, well, he also wants to microchip us like dogs. Too. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 So during the first, like, Let's call it 1,500 years of Western civilization. The average pleb was kept ignorant. They, they, they didn't read or write. They could understand language, obviously, but they didn't read or write that much. And governments and the church kind of kept them at bay by keeping the Bible in Latin until 1511, I think, was the first English version of a Bible that was ever produced, 1511. So 1,500 years, well, 1,400 years or so yeah. after... Uh, you know, this major religion launched. <clears throat> and at the time, it was the predominant religion on earth, right? Certainly the fastest growing, but you right. keep people ignorant and then they have to come to you. They have to come to you if they want to contact God or they have to come to the state if they want to contact God. And now we've set up this scenario where particularly amongst uh, underprivileged or poor people or however you want to categorize that, they have to come to the state to get food. They have to come to the state to get nutrition and stuff like that. And that can't be the case because the state always has an agenda Oh, yeah. And then you're only getting a uh, certain kind of food and it goes back to the shit food thing. I think a great example is uh, I'm, I'm sure you've seen the movie Gladiator. Mm -hmm. Remember when he, uh, I, I don't remember all the names, but when he uh, when the actual Caesar died and the son became uh, Marcus Caesar, Aurelius. Yeah. And then Commodus. Marcus Aurelius. Yeah. I, that was right on my tongue. Remember when he first goes through the courtyard and they're throwing bread? Yeah. Now he's loved. He's yeah. giving bread, you know, but what did. 15 people get bread and there's probably, you know, a hundred thousand people standing there. Yeah. And he wasn't throwing well, meat. And then their first meeting was about the plague. Yeah. You know? And he wasn't throwing meat and vegetables into the crowd either. He was throwing bread, no, which no, is he's, he's throwing bread and all his people are dying of the plague mm. and they got rid of the real leader, you know? Yeah. But yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of how it is, man. I mean, corporate interest and uh, this nanny state idea has really driven the meritocracy completely out of modern western life unfortunately but you know that that's the thing people bitch about it you don't i tell people this a lot if you you may not agree with the solution to some of these problems like underprivileged communities and stuff like that and you think it's like reparations everybody agrees that's kind of stupid except for a, a small handful of people but just because you don't like the solution to the problem doesn't mean there isn't a problem and it is it is all of our responsibility if you want to live in a solid community you got to fucking work in and build a solid community so yeah. you see people out there struggling you help them and you're not going to help them. I mean, look, this is this same concept as in just like the golden rules in every major philosophy in the history of human human beings. Teach a man to fish, right? Don't don't fucking coddle them. Don't fucking baby them. Don't do their work for them. Teach them how to work, and then and then yeah. show them the connection between the work and the output, and how it's going to make their life better. And the vast majority of people will do it. Right. right. But well, we, we I mean, haven't I, done that at all in this country. All we've done is no. made people more and more dependent on the fucking government. Well, and look how weak people are getting, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I'm pretty I'm pretty physically fit and all that. But you go back 50 years or 100 years. I'm weak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm weak. Well, yeah. if you see if you see those like re uh, those uh, colorized videos from the early part of the 20th century, like the during the World War One and shit, men walking around. It's like, where are all the fat people? <laughs> There's no fat people in America There's right now. Of, yeah, yeah. You didn't see a, a chubby guy jumping off the boat in Normandy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, climbing up the wall or, you know, yeah. the settlers coming across the land. There wasn't a fat guy pulling his horse carrying a, you know, probably a thing of grain or something. Yeah, no, it's just not happening. And the, the other thing is, it's tough for me to speak on this because I don't have children, but I do get to look at the outside. I know... I know the parents that are making their kids, you know, work and earn things. And I see the ones that are not, and it's, it's, you know, it's night and day. Like I, I've got a buddy, he's coming over tonight to help me seal some stuff on the roof. 
his kid's dying for a cell phone. He ain't getting it. Kid ain't getting it. You know, he goes out and fishes and they, they hunt together. Kid's eight years old and he's already got his first turkey. He's out there bass fishing, casting like I am. He's still playing football. He's still going to school. Nothing, nothing's changed. And you know what? He's not the kid getting bullied either. Mm. You know, because they, they, they just know he, he's, he's looked at it different. And I've got a couple of kids, you know, families like that. And then you see the other one that just gets everything. He's got a cell phone in his back pocket. He's got an iPad under his arm and, you know, he, he, he just hangs out all day. You see that at the gym too. You see the ones that look real good in there and they got their backpack and all their devices and they set up their little tripod to show how much they bench that day. And they never really do anything. And then you got a kid in there that he's had the same shirt on four days in a row and he's, he's jacking weight like an NFL player and he's 15, you know, because you know, he, he, he's got nothing else to lose. He's got to go to school. He's got to get an education and you know, maybe he'll play sports, but that's, that's it. You know, he's not getting in a Range Rover and driving to his buddy's yeah. house. Yeah. It's the, you know, it's the expectation of comfort. That's, yeah. it's the same thing we were talking about before. You can't, um, we, we, we expect to feel no pain. We expect to feel no discomfort. We expect to never be bored, right? And yeah. what, what are, what's the result of that? It's constant, constant stimulus. And these hormones that regulate our body, like, you know, serotonin and dopamine and, and uh, melatonin and stuff like that, that regulate our limbic system, that regulate our circadian rhythm and all this other stuff are completely fucked, right? Like we're, we're yeah. up at one o'clock in the morning looking at artificial light and we think we're going to sleep good after that. No, you're never going to sleep good doing no. that shit. And, and you think you did because you fell asleep. Yeah. yeah. You, might, you might not necessarily really fell asleep. And I'm, I go to bed pretty early. I get my sleep, but I, I have a habit of it. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll look at my phone right before I go to bed and I change that and I don't want to walk off the screen, but I found on I found online a regular old school alarm clock with the two bells where the hammer hits both sides. Damn, I hate that thing. But guess what? <laughs> I didn't look at my phone. I didn't, you know, and when I hop up, even first thing in the morning now, I'm not checking the phone. I'm running to the bathroom and shutting that damn thing off or I'm throwing it against the wall, you know? <laughs> but I didn't check the phone. I got out there and I, I did my run. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing I just did was last year, uh, I ran the Moab 240. So that's a 238.2 mile run across the Moab desert. Um, I did it, I did it, I did it for myself, but I did it to raise money for uh, Spike Canine Fund. That's uh, Jimmy Hatch, uh, the Navy SEAL, retired Navy mm -hmm. SEAL. He, he lost his dog Spike in, you know, in a battle. And, um, and I, I found them online. I followed them on Instagram and wanted to raise money for them. And that was last year. And I, I raised them, I think they built me my own website for it. Um, I did that because I wanted them to know I was actually going to give them the money. They didn't know who I was. Well, I think we did around, I want to say three grand. So we, we did that and I, I ran the race and raised them money. But uh, getting back to what we were talking about, that, that run changed my life. I, I, I kind of know what I can do now, you know? Like things at the jewelry store are easy. I might get ticked off because it's my store and I, I, I want to win and I want to do it well. But if I think about it for five seconds, it's like, I just ran 240 miles. The internet will come back on. I'll be all right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like ha happiness is about managing your expectations and it, yeah. half managing your expectations and half connecting, uh, uh, effort and outcome together, which is something we've kind of lost these days. Uh, look, this has been a great conversation. I appreciate all the insight. Really interesting about the fishing stuff as well. Uh, what else you got going on you want to share with the audience before we get out of here? Um, I'm still trying to do this thing. Um, you can catch me on Instagram at Jason L. Coffrin. Um, Mana's Market is my other thing. Uh, and that's in Sarasota? For them. That's Sarasota, Florida. Yes, sir. And um, Get out there. The only thing I can say to everybody out there that's listening is if you got something in the back of your mind you really want to do, go give it a month. You know, go try it. Whether it's run, I, I try to run the beach every morning. It changes my day. If there's something out there you want to do, go and do it. It, it. You'll find some time. You'll find some time. You can still get a full night's sleep. You'll still get your job done. If you really sit down and write everything down, you, you, you'll find it and, and go do it.
Sweet. Uh, well, look, man, I really appreciate you coming today. It's been a great conversation. Yeah, I had a good time. I appreciate you guys having me on when you guys answered the Instagram thing. I, I was like, oh, shit, they actually want to do it. Okay, let's <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I like having a good variety of people with different life experience because we the interesting thing about it is we all seem to learn the same lesson just in different ways. And it shows two things. One, the ubiquity of the principle, meaning this principle of self-reliance applies pretty much everywhere, no matter what your life is. And then the second part of that is that you can live a variety of different types of lifestyles and still adhere to these principles that are going to make your life better and make the lives around you better as well. So I appreciate yeah. you. Uh, I appreciate you coming on and telling your story. I appreciate you having me. Yes, sir. And I appreciate you all for listening. This has been Citizen. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.